there is great evidence in studies that have shown that a good third of your workforce, if not more, is currently looking for work outside of your company. And you have to ask yourself as a leader, why is that? Is that true in my company? And what am I doing to correct that problem? Welcome to CEO Brain Food. Every episode, entrepreneur, CEO, founder, and host Michael Langhout will bring you key insights, fresh perspectives, and proven tools you can apply to your business. Thought leaders and CEOs will be interviewed as we explore winning strategies for scaling a company, generating profits, and building lasting enterprise value. Here's Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CEO Brain Food. Today, we're going to be talking about building a culture of trust. And in this episode, I want to go through just a few points. I think there are five or six key points that I want to make for entrepreneurs, founders, or leaders of any organization, whether it be a startup, uh, a scaling up company, uh, a large company, small, doesn't matter. Uh, It could be even a nonprofit. It could be a church or a government organization. Anybody that's involved in, in leading a group of people to accomplish a, a project or a goal, you have a culture, and that culture is in place whether you know it or not. And typically, there are two cultures, the one that's in the mind and heart and head of the leader, and there's another culture that is in the daily operations of the folks that are running the business on the line out in front there's a gap between the two cultures. And to a certain degree or another, that gap could be wide or or narrow. Um, And if it's wide, then we know that we have a problem, a big problem, because where the leader is headed is not where the company wants to go. And so you have this tremendous tension within the company. And for those of you who have been there and done that, you know what I'm talking about. The objective then is to minimize that gap, to narrow that gap, to bring those two cultures into alignment. That's a hefty task for any leader. If you were to do a search for the words organizational culture or culture and trust or culture and leadership or or similar terms, you would find literally hundreds of millions of hits on that topic. There have been thousands and thousands of books written on this subject. There are companies that focus exclusively on the topic of culture, many of them doing very well and, and, and well-intentioned and, and helping companies actually as, as consultants, and some maybe not so. In my view, the definitive work on culture is the book written by Dr. Edgar H. Schein, and that is the book that was uh, finally published in the fourth edition in 2010 organizational culture and leadership. I highly recommend reading this book for anyone that's interested in improving their culture. To improve the culture, you first need to understand what culture is all about and how it works. The purpose of this episode is not to get into the theory or the academic side of culture. I'm not an academic. I'm not teaching. I'm I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business person. And I know how important culture is, a healthy culture is, to the performance of a company. 
So I'm speaking with you on these topics that I'm going to bring out from practical experience. I know that if we can use these tools and leverage them to our benefit, that we will wind up with a much, much higher level of performance where people are trusting each other. And, you know, there's another great author that I I really enjoy reading and talking about, Patrick Lencioni. And in his book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, he describes the five things that any leadership team needs to overcome before they can really be accomplishing great things. The very, very base of that pyramid that he draws is trust. If a team doesn't trust each other, and we're not talking about predictable uh, trust, we're not talking about, well, gee, if the leader's gone, then I know what typically what they're going to do so I can make decisions in their place if I'm the number two. They're predictable. That's not what we're really talking about here. We're talking about a vulnerable trust where I can drop my ego and come to the team and say, I really don't have an answer on that right now. I don't know the answer, or I've really made a mistake here. I need to admit that I've made this mistake, and we need to talk about how to fix it together as a team, and then have the teammates come in um, alongside and, and really have that person's back so that you're really totally trusting each other and not trying to undercut the other person, which so often happens in teams where trust is non-existent. I like to think of an organization with three pillars. It's like a three-legged stool. You have strategy, you have structure, and you have culture. Each one of the legs of that stool are so critical to get right. Get one wrong and you have a very small chance for success. You get two wrong and you're out of the race before it even starts. But if you get all three right, you're likely to be incredibly successful. And I like to start with culture. You know, so many of my clients will come and they will indicate that they've got a problem with execution or maybe they don't have enough cash. They're struggling with cash or, or maybe they've, they're not clear on their vision and their strategy needs some work. But so often we wind up revisiting culture and people. And if we don't get that piece right, then the rest of it just really doesn't matter because you're not going to be able to scale the business. You're not going to get it right until you address the cultural issues first. So the question I'd ask is, you know, do you have a culture of trust in in your own organization? And if not, you're missing a crucial link to the ongoing success and value of your company. The culture of any organization or group is set by the leader. Culture is descending. It starts at the top and must be promoted and literally kept alive by the leader and the leadership team. This is so critically important. And by the way, if the leader is not good, then they have a bad culture. Well, guess what? The companies or the organization is going to be probably not not well-led and, and not be performing properly. There's five key points, or I guess today the modern word, word would be hacks, <laughs> that you might want to think about that will help get you on your way to achieving an excellent and high-performing culture. The first is to define and defend your cores. When I say cores, I'm talking about core purpose and core values. Jim Collins coined both of those terms back in 1996 when he first wrote his book, Built to Last, and has written extensively on these subjects of of cores. Pursuing your core purpose 
is so critical, really knowing what it is that you're there for, not personally so much, but for your company. Also personally, you do need to know that as a leader. And then what are your values? What do you believe in? How you define and defend your cores will often determine your ability to grow and scale your business. If you don't have a good handle on that, on either one of those, then you're, you're really going to struggle going forward. If you can articulate your cores and have them right at the tip of your finger so that you know when someone asks, well, what's your purpose? We'll say it. You know, my purpose is inspiring great leadership, building remarkable companies, and closing the gap between the haves and the haves and have-nots. And I have a whole set of core values that, by the way, are very closely intertwined with that. And I can articulate them with the drop of a coin. If you can articulate your cores, making them come alive in the organization and fully baking them into your recruiting, interviewing, hiring, onboarding, training, and retention processes, then you're going to be a long way down the path of creating trust across all sections of your organization, no matter how large or small. And by the way, in doing so, and I'm talking about back to the recruiting, interviewing, hiring, onboarding, training, and retention, there's an entire process around that. That's the people system that I like to talk about out of the six systems that we discussed in an earlier episode on the three HAG systems. This would represent the people system that is powered by top grading. And if you're interested in top grading, we'll be doing an episode on that as well. The second is to build authentic relationships. Trust is built on deep and authentic relationships with shared values and a shared vision and a sense of care and support for one another, right? If we don't care for our workmates, then they're not going to be in a trusting environment. They're not going to be trusting each other. Relationship allows and enables influence. So if I'm in a trust relationship with someone else, they're in a position to influence my thinking. Or conversely, I'm in a position to influence their thinking. I'm not telling them what to do, but I'm certainly in a trust relationship, giving them the truth. And back to values, one of my core values is truth delivered with grace. I have to admit I've been more truthful than graceful in my career. But my friends at Boeing say that truth and grace are like an airplane wing, right? So you have 100% of truth and 100% of grace. That would be ideal, totally balanced. So when you're talking with someone, you're able to speak with them truthfully and giving them really a, a, a good feeling of what you're actually thinking as opposed to a, a line that is more PC or not actually reflective of your, of your views. The deeper that your relationship is with those that you're leading, the more effective you'll be in leading them, right? Think about that because you're going to be able to influence them to accomplish the great things you envision the organization doing. If you have a trust relationship with your employees, you can ask them to do things that they wouldn't normally be able to do. You can stretch them, you can push them, and they will respond. Now, they may not get to exactly where you'd like them to be, but they're going to be a whole lot farther along because they trusted you and you upheld your end of the bargain. You had their back and they then will turn around and have yours. People in your organization are not going to perform with any great interest and energy unless they're in a relationship with you that is built on trust. I remember I had a 
long time ago when I was an employee, way before I got into being an entrepreneur and starting my own businesses, I had a boss that um, I did not trust. He was very abusive. He was a controller, micromanager. And shall we just say it just didn't end well. I'm not going to name names or, or times or places or companies, but they're out there. Some of you may have had experience with them. It's, it's a very unpleasant thing. Your people are going to be watching you. They're listening. They're observing you all the time. They're looking at your body language. They, they know when you walk in the door in the morning, if you've had a good morning or uh, you, you're facing a tough meeting or something, you can, they can just tell. They all want to believe in you and, and need that before they'll commit to you. I mean, they'll do work, but they may not do their best work. And by the way, there is great evidence in studies that have shown that a good third of your workforce, if not more, is currently looking for work outside of your company. And you have to ask yourself as a leader, why is that? Is that true in my company? And what am I doing to correct that problem? You need to listen to them, be open and available. You need to ask questions about their work and how you might be able to help them. More importantly, you need to demonstrate through your actions and not necessarily through your words, but probably both, that you want to serve and coach them to success. They're going to be responsive to you if you are practicing empathetic listening, you're caring for them, you're meeting with them on a one-on-one basis, you're, you're genuinely trying to help them removing roadblocks and so on instead of directing and criticizing them. The third area is to be transparent or lead transparently. Leadership and trust go hand in hand. They're very interrelated and both are about relationship. Therefore, any leadership in order to be effective has to hinge on trust. If you as a leader have not built a trust relationship with the people that are in your organization and they in turn don't trust those in leadership positions, then your organization, specifically the leadership team, is probably ineffective and will have a very, very difficult time succeeding in accomplishing its goals. This is a very important and oftentimes overlooked activity that has potentially dire consequences to any organization. If it's a publicly held company, the toxic culture could drive the share price down. Literally, your, your culture could improve or take away from the valuation of the business. That's how deep it goes. And you as a leader are responsible. So you have the power to increase the influence you have on others by building a deeper level of trust throughout the organization. And to do that, it's important to understand where you are with respect to relationships you have with others. Understanding where you are in the process of building those relationships and taking the time to establish trust with others will shape the way you behave and relate to those that are around you. And here I'm not talking about building rapport in relationship. I'm talking about really establishing trust and being transparent. That's a very, very different thing than just building relationship. I know that during my career, I've been involved in several companies that needed to be turned around. They weren't necessarily workout situations such that you might have in a in a bank rescue, but definitely in need of, of turnaround. And in each one of those situations, I started with the people to not only build rapport, but to be transparent with them and to change the culture. The very first thing that I worked on was to change the culture. You can put dollars into equipment, 
bricks and mortar. You can you can buy property, you can develop property, but there's not a greater impact that you can have on an organization or a company than when you hire someone or evaluate someone's performance or coach them. These are some of the biggest things that you can do, and so often we don't do those things as uh, as as leaders. We leave it to someone else or to chance, which is a big mistake. The fourth hack is to develop a system of feedback. You need a feedback loop. Are you getting feedback on a regular basis as a leader? And that's a question. I I put it to you. If you're listening, you may be involved in leadership. You probably are. How's that working for you? If you're a CEO, is your senior leadership team comfortable giving you feedback? Or is it mostly flowing downhill? Is it a trickle-down coming from you where you're telling everyone what to think and how to be? This is, a, this is a very important one and one that I think of myself as I've been mentored in my life and developed my own style of leadership, which, by the way, these five points are coming not from a book but from my own my own experience. Feedback for me was difficult. I had uh, a very defensive posture. That came from probably the way I was raised, uh, the different uh, scenarios I was involved in uh, as a student, what I thought of myself, and so on. Not to get too deep into the psychological part of this, but particularly men can have egos and be defensive, and you've got you've got to be aware of that. If you're a CEO, are you getting feedback from your board? Do you even have a board? If you do, then, you know, are they giving you feedback? How are you handling it? Occasionally, um, you're going to find yourself as a leader, much as I did, in, in a very defensive position. Maybe something went wrong and you're getting criticized due to something that maybe you've said or an event that happened or a project that didn't work out quite the way, you know, it was supposed to. Or maybe things are going along just fine. And you're still getting uh, some incoming. In those situations where I'm closed off and defensive, I like to apply what I call the rule of 1%. The rule of 1% recognizes that at least 1% of what the person is saying is probably true. If I can just assume that when they're coming to me, talking to me, and giving me some some feedback, and, and when I say that, it's constructive criticism, right? I mean, it's they're telling me something that I need to know that might have something to do with my behavior or, or something similar, then I need to just allow this 1% rule to kick in. And what that does is it opens a crack in the door of defensiveness and allows then a rational discussion to occur as opposed to having an argument. And once you have that rational discussion and you're unemotional about it, from there discovery happens. And when we discover things about ourselves that previously were hidden, well, we begin to grow. And that's a good thing. So another core value that I have is enter the danger. And what that means is you dive in when there's when there's a problem. Don't run away from it because you're going to get to the answer a lot faster and things will go a lot better for you if you drop the ego, drop the defensiveness and dive in and really try to solve these problems. So learn to respect the feedback process and, and to appreciate the honesty and authenticity of that person who is uh, speaking. It's It's so important. And the fifth and final uh, before we leave today um, is to just be present. If you're actively present in the office 
out on the shop floor in the factories or distribution centers around the country or globally. And if you show the organization that you're connected and engaged, living the cores, your core values and your core purpose and making people aware of what the goals are and, and driving for results, then your organization is going to notice. You're modeling behaviors that they find worthy of following and they will follow. You know, the old thing about leadership, look over your shoulder, you got somebody following, then maybe you've, you've got something. So many of our leaders today look over their shoulder if they ever care to. And uh, the line of people behind them is pretty thin, if at all. We know that trust takes a lifetime to build and can be destroyed in a moment. That is so true. The culture of trust in a company needs to be proactively established by leadership and consistently applied day to day in personal behaviors and actions. We've got to be living these actions, living the core values, talking about the purpose, talking about the big, hairy, audacious goal, as Jim Collins talks about, especially if we're the CEO or any, any person in a leadership position. This becomes a very, very high-level, critical part of the, of the job. And in my experience, that process takes time, but it's just chipping away at it a day at a time. Look, we can all start practicing new ways of consistently communicating within our organization to build a strong culture of trust. It has to start with those in leadership positions because the organization will follow its leader. So thank you for listening today. I hope these five points have been helpful. And I'm talking a lot these days about leadership and culture. In our next episode, I'll be talking about creating a living culture with authentic leadership. That's a very important topic that I'm specifically wanting to address. We've talked about authentic leadership in the past, but I'm tying that now to culture. So thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of CEO Brain Food. To listen to all past episodes, as well as view the show notes that we create for each episode, head on over to ceobrainfood.com.